Good to see you tonight. I uh, appreciate Brother Dennis singing this morning. I told them on the way out, I said, well, Matt and Jennifer went off to Kansas to do their little farming thing, and he debuts his singing, and they miss it. And uh, so hopefully they'll be back soon. And others that are traveling and some out sick, and we need to, we need to family. You know, I, I so hate summertime because... Uh, it seems like everybody's gone. And then, you, you know, you hope that um, you get into the fall. Sorry about that, fella. I, my battery's going to go dead. I think I thought I changed them. Anyway, then you get to the fall and you think, well, everybody's going to be back, school's in, and then people get sick, right? So we'll just thank God for what we got tonight, and uh, hopefully the rest of them will be back with us soon. Deuteronomy chapter 32 tonight. Deuteronomy chapter 32 and uh, you say, where's that at? In the Old Testament. Amen. Right? So I, I want to I focus on verse number 36 tonight, but I want to, to share uh, kind of some background in chapter 32. So you go down to verse 36 and verse 37. The Bible said, for the Lord shall judge his people. Now that doesn't exactly sound like the lovey-dovey, God that we we make much of today like well God doesn't care what you do and you can do whatever you want to and his grace and and uh it, he'll just he'll just sweep it up it doesn't sound like the same God to me the Lord shall judge his people it starts where at the house of God so it seems to me like God has some expectations of his people could we agree with that for the Lord shall judge his people and repent himself for his servants when he seeth that their power is gone and there is none shut up or left. Notice in verse 37, And he shall say, Where are their gods, their rock in whom they trusted? Right. So if you look at Deuteronomy 32, in my Bible there's a, there's a heading at the top that said the Song of Moses. And as you go down through uh, Deuteronomy 32, first of all, he starts out, Give ear, O ye heavens, and I will speak and hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. He comes to verse 3. He said, I will publish the name of the Lord. Ascribe ye greatness unto our God. Now that's where we should be, right? And he goes on to verse 4 to say, He is the rock. And say a rock. He said the rock, capital R. Right? His work is perfect, for all his ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right, is he. But that's the God we serve, isn't it? Then it seems like this song changes notes a little bit. In verse 5, the Bible said they have corrupted themselves. Well, you go back and look at the children of Israel and you see God rescued them out of Egypt, a type of salvation, the uh, the Red Sea is a type of salvation. The, the wandering in the wilderness is where a lot of Christians are. Can we agree with that? And, and, and there were some victories and then there were some defeats. But the Bible said they have corrupted themselves. You go down to verse number 8. The Bible said when the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance. So he says they've corrupted themselves. Verse 8 he's saying, listen, God blessed them. And he had an inheritance for them that he had. He said he'd go in and fight when they crossed over Jordan. They went to uh, Jericho. 
And think about this. They didn't raise swords. They marched around the place and shouted, and God, God dropped the walls. So every battle, God fought for them in the promised land. And so he said, when the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, and it goes on in verse 15, uh, but Jeshurun waxed fat and ki uh, kicked. Thou art waxed and fat, thou art grown thick, thou art covered with fatness. Then he forsook God, which made him and lightly esteemed the rock of his salvation. Verse 16, they provoked him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations provoked they him to anger. Verse 17, they sacrificed unto devils, not to God, to gods whom they knew not, to, to new gods that came newly up uh, whom your father feared not. Verse 18, of the rock that begat thee thou art unmindful and hast forgotten God that formed thee. So Moses starts out saying, listen, I want to tell you about this God. I'll publish his name. And then he lays out through the, the remainder of this, this chapter how God's people have strayed away from him. That they had forgotten him. That they had provoked him. That they had forsook him. That they had corrupted themselves. And we see a group of people that should have known the power and blessing of God that have forsaken him. Was that not where we are today? I mean, when you look at the church as a whole, what we call Christianity, the vast majority denies who God really is. They'd rather embrace tenets of the world and mix it with Christianity and come up with their own doctrine. And so, not only churches, but let's be honest, we do the same thing. We mentioned this morning that when we were looking at the widow and and the, 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 the two, the two uh, pennies, that, that what God was saying was that she gave herself uh, to him. Yeah. And that you and I, God is asking us to give ourselves to him, not just uh, the surplus of what we have, but to, but to give all of us to him. That's what he's after. Nothing else is going to do. Yeah. So we have compartmentalized our Christianity. We've set up idols. You say, I don't have any idols in my home. Well, I'd say this. Uh, a lot of us carry the idol in our hand. A lot of, a lot of the idols on, on the wall, right? A lot of the idol is, is uh, our bank account. It may be sports. There's a lot of things that, that have, let's be honest, have taken the place of who God is in our life. Now, he's a part of our life, but he's not, he's not everything, right? That, that's what he's after. And so God has sometimes allowed us as his people to go through some trials in life so that he can show his power and give himself opportunity to show us that he is the rock, the God. And so sinners have no immunity to suffering. We know that, that really uh, the difference is sinners go through their suffering without the help of God. But saints are also led into trying circumstances for their utmost holiness. See, God's trying to re refine us to be like Jesus Christ. And we have to go through fires and trials to, to filter out those impurities, right? And so God allows us to go through those things. And, and the ungodly man has no need for God in his own mind. As a matter of fact, he said, Who is God that I should obey his voice? We know that Pharaoh looked at Moses and said, Who is this God I should obey? I don't have to listen to God. My God is not your God. But let me say this. Whether you acknowledge him as the rock and the God... That's who he is. 
Whether you ever acknowledge him as the Lord, that's who he is. Whether you ever acknowledge him as the Savior, the way, the truth, the life, that's who he is because that's who he says he is. That, is. that is the office and the character that is ascribed to him that that is him. And so we see here that as these children of Israel, as God's people saw some high places or mountaintop experiences in their life, they're full of danger and many fall off their mountaintop to destruction. We've seen it even amongst our ranks. We've seen it among those that you and I know are Christians but have fallen, right? Have fallen by the wayside, who have not been vigilant, have not been sober, uh, minded in, in following God. And so Satan, the great deceiver, the, the roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, has much prey and much destruction. And so if we're not careful, what happens is we think we're above all that. And that, that's really where I see Christianity today. We're, we're not humble before God. We don't think we can fall. We don't think that we've done anything wrong. And, and, and so what happens is we see the abominations taking place in our world and, and we focus on those and say, well, look how far our nation has fallen, Brother Shane, but we don't look in our own uh, closet, so to speak, and say, listen, I've got some things I need to clean out. So the wise will see this fall and call out to the Lord. And, and that's what we need to do tonight. We can talk about all the problems of life and talk about the problems of our country and we can talk about the problems of churches turning away from the Word of God and whose fault it is. But let's be honest, none of that really matters. What matters is, will you and I turn back to God? And so it is God's opportunity to do a great work when we're in despair. And so in this scripture, uh, be not despaired. When man sees finality, God sees opportunity. As you read this scripture, the Bible said, The Lord shall judge his people and repent himself for his servants when he seeth that their power is gone and there is none shut up or left. Looks to me like all hope's lost. But John, if we look today... And you look across the landscape, we can, we can hide our heads in the sand and we can say, listen, let's just hold up in the church till Jesus comes or we can realize that God's not done. Amen. So I'll give you three areas tonight I think that God can see opportunity in these last days, however long that may be. It may be a year, maybe a day, maybe an hour, maybe a thousand years. I don't know. But I do know this, God is not... Uh, done that if he's uh, uh, has ever done anything he can do it again today and if he's the same yesterday today and forever let's not let's not get despaired and discouraged over what we see in this world but let it turn our hearts back to an all-knowing all-powerful God that can do something for us tonight that we can't do ourselves and so three areas I want to see and you'll notice in this as I share this with you um, that that we'll see a progression. See, we, we can't ever get help from God until we recognize where we really are. Right. You can't get help in your personal life until you realize where you really are. Yes, right? Unless, you, unless we all become honest with ourselves as to where... And listen, by the way, let me say this. Our world, our society has gotten good at blaming everything and everybody. Right. And it, it's a big cycle. Right? right? It's... You blame this guy and this guy will blame this one and this one will blame this and somebody's going to blame you eventually. And nothing ever gets fixed. And I'll be honest with you, I'm tired of 
And I want to say this with compassion to you. Sometimes Christians are the worst. Some of them are the worst whiners I've ever seen in my life. See, you're, you're never going to get any help until you look in the mirror and say, I'm the problem. Thank you, Brother Johnny. I knew I'd get some help out of you. Some, some folks looking at the floor already. We're not ready to close in prayer just yet. See, you're not going to get close to God until you realize you're far away from God. You're, you're not going to get help in areas of your life until you take responsibility. I take responsibility and say, I got to do, I got to do something. I got to ask God to help me to do something about it because nobody else is coming. The Lone Ranger's not come to the rescue to fix your problems. And as a church, I can't worry about the independent Baptist. I can't worry about what happened in Hammond, Indiana or down at the sword and I can't worry what happens on the east coast and I can't get caught up in who's compromised and who hasn't and the latest scandal I can't get caught up in all that what I've got to do is say God has placed me here to pastor this church and God has put me here to lead this group of people and therefore that is my responsibility and so when I say this tonight when number one when we look at three areas that, that God can have opportunity number one is the church Number one's the church. Now I'll say this, in the day we lived, I see first of all the reproached church. In other words, in this scripture, God says, uh, verse 16, it repent himself for his servants. What are we doing to bring glory to God? You with me? I'm going to say this again. I know you're tired of hearing. I'm going to say it again. Please, please, please. Have I said please enough? Don't whine on your social media. I never, I never thought, and I've been pastoring 21 years. I never thought I'd have to say something like, well, I didn't know what social media was 21 years ago. But our testimony is that we serve a powerful God. But then we're telling the world he's not that powerful. Uh, amen. We serve a powerful God, but he's not pow powerful enough to fix my problem. So I need to make you aware of it. What about just using that same social media account to let the world know how big your God is? And please, again, I know there's some sincerity, but a lot of Christians disguise their whining as, Brother Adam, please pray for me. I really wasn't going to go in this direction, but I just, I'm getting in a gear. Because if we can't live in victory, how can we expect the lost and dying world to come to the God and Savior that we say is, is higher than we are, higher than he? Why, why do they care? See, the, the, the problem with the church is the church. The problem with the church is not the independent Baptist. And, and you know what? All these reformed independent Baptist uh, nuts that are running around talking about how bad their life I've been an independent Baptist for 53 years. My life ain't that bad. 
God's been real good to me, hallelujah. I'm not changing stripes just because some guys have gone off the rail because I, I, I'm, I'm serving God. I'm not, I'm not following the independent Baptists because they're independent and I think they're infallible. What I'm saying tonight is the church's problem is the church. It's not, it's not certain preachers. It's not this lost and dying world. It's not compromisers. The problem we got is us. And so the church is in decline spiritually because we've taken our eyes off of God. We put it on everything else. We put it on the stock market. We put it on election, uh, you know, fraud. And, oh, can you believe this election was stolen? I believe it was, but what are you going to do about it? I'm serious. What are you going to do about it? I tell you what you can do. Maybe vote next time instead of not voting and complaining. That'd be a good start, wouldn't it? Amen. See, I can't do anything about all that. What I can do is keep me and keep my family and try to keep our church going in the right direction for God. And so the church is in decline spiritually because we've walked away from God. Doesn't have anything to do with Hollywood. Doesn't have anything to do with Washington. It has to do with we've gotten out of the prayer closet. We've stopped studying the Word of God. We might come to church. We might not. Hey, and then we're trying to. Well, we got to get people in here. So we got to do. We got to change all this stuff. Man, they don't want to come to a place that's just like going to the concert on Saturday night. Over the over the history of the church, the church has been persecuted, beaten down. But you know what? She moves on. Every time there's been persecution, the church has grown. And so the church is slumbering now. We're asleep. We see, just went through the seven churches in Revelation. We're, we're asleep. If, if, if the gates of hell cannot prevail and the gate is defensive, then what are we doing? We don't have to worry about the gates of hell because we're sitting back in our churches, in our living rooms, uh, and we're saying, well, we don't, we don't want to stir up the pot. So, so we get to this place, the church's testimony is marred by its own members. Now you can look and say, well, look at all, look at throughout the, the history of the last few years of the Independent Baptist Church and look at Christianity as a whole and look at the scandals. I agree with that. But listen to what I'm saying. More people are turned off because of us than what they see on the news. A lot of people you work with, they don't have a clue what's going on in any realm of Christianity. But what they do see is you and me. So we have embraced the culture and desired to look like the ones we are supposed to win. In our attempt to win the lost, we've become like the lost. So the church is the reproach church. Well, if we stayed right there, Brother Jimmy, it'd be kind of depressing, right? We'd have no hope, but I'm glad that, that there is a revived church. In other words, uh, the Bible said where, uh, in verse 37, and he shall say, where are their gods, their rock in whom they've trusted? In other words, he's saying, listen, uh, you've got all these little rocks, you've got all these little idols, you've got all these things, but what he's wanting us to do is turn back to the rock. So I do know this, that revival can happen among God's people and God can raise it up again. Amen. See, until we're out of here, there's hope. Right. 
Till we're out of this world, there's hope for the church. And so wherever you are in life, I don't know tonight you say, well, preacher, listen, and I get it. Listen, the devil is, is working overtime. God's people are discouraged. They're depressed. They're, they're downtrodden. They're, they're, there's all kinds of D's, right? But my question is, when are we going to look to God? When are we as God's people going to get... And that's, that's where the children of Israel were. He said, look, I, I brought you through all this stuff to get you to the place where everything is stripped away so that you have to turn back to me. Till we get there, friend, there's no hope. Amen. See, we, we, we want revival... We want the, the, the presence of God. We want all that to take place without any discomfort. We, we don't, hey, <clears throat> when, when you've seen great moves of God in the past, somebody paid the price for it. And we don't want that anymore. We want somebody else to pay the price. Or we want to live in the rearview mirror and say, back when I was a kid and back when I went here. Listen, those days are gone, friend. The same God that did something there is wanting to do something now. But it's going to take God's people to do what those old timers did years ago and seek God's face. And so the revived church plead with God in prayer and repent. Every move of God, anything God wants to do, we've got to repent. That's right. Amen. See, we don't, Matt, we don't want to hear that word anymore. we got to get serious with God and say, God, I'm the problem and I'm the one who repents. It is possible. It is possible to be revived on a personal level. I don't, it doesn't matter where you are. It's possible. So you go from the reproach church to the revived church to the returned church. What I mean by It's a living church. Man, that's what, that's what, I, that's what I want to be a part of. I don't want to go to a dead church. I don't want to go... Listen, I'm thankful we just baptized, what, eight? Listen, I was talking to the Ivy girls this morning. said, Preach, we had 15 on our bus today. I want to go. Man, I want to be around something alive. Don't you? I go to the hospital. I don't go down in the morgue. Man, I want to go up to labor and delivery. I want to go up there where the babies are getting born. There's excitement where the babies are being born. You go down in the morgue, praise God, ain't nobody shouting and having a good time down there. I don't want, listen, you save the deadness for the funeral home, not the house of God. Well, I just, preach, I just don't get all that excited about church. I'm, I'm more reserved than that. Yeah. Till the credit card company messes your statement up, then you'll call people from uh, India. The customer serves them in let them have it. Praise we get more excited about stuff like that than we do what God's wanting to do. The return church, return of the power and presence of the Lord. I don't even want to come in here if God's not here. Brother Gary, I'd, I'd, just soon, I'd just soon call service off and stay at the house if we're not going to expect God to do anything. Man, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want to go through the motions. You go ahead if you want to, but I'm not going to. Amen. You don't want to worship God, help yourself, be miserable. But I tell you what, I'm just going to enjoy my salvation. Amen. I want to live in a revived state. Amen. 
So you see the church, number two is the believer. You say, well, we're, what, how many of us, if you're, and I've been, listen, I've been here. I'm, I'm not standing up here preaching to you tonight as some person that has never gone through struggles and trials. There's been times, honestly, I didn't want to come to church. Right? Like that guy got up one morning and said, his wife said, I ain't going to church today. I don't want to go. I'm not going. She said, you have to. He said, why do I got to? She said, you're the pastor. You've got to go, right? Sometimes I feel that way. You felt that way. There's sometimes you get up. I don't want to read my Bible. I don't want to pray. Sometimes I don't want to pay my power bill. Matter of fact, every month I really don't want to pay it, but I do. Because we in our place we've grown accustomed to having the lights on. That's right. Amen. But see, the you can lose that. Yes. I mean, let's be honest. How many times have you sat in a service? Just get real honest with yourself. That's right. Everybody else was enjoying. I mean, choirs singing. You look up, the choirs up there like tonight, raising their hand. You can just tell them in there enjoying it, and you're sitting back there like this. Right? And the preacher, whether it's me or somebody else, get up, preaches their guts out, you walk out and say, I got nothing out of that. You know, and here's what happens. Instead of looking in the mirror, we change geography. We don't want to deal with it, so we change locations. I'm just going to find me another church to go to. Well, you can. But see, if you don't deal with your stuff where you were, all you're doing is taking it with you to the next place. Same thing with a job. How many times people, I just, I hate my job. Well, you loved it when you took it. Right? Brother Marty, there's nobody ever taking a job. You ask them the first day, how is it? They say, it's terrible. You know why? Because they court you, right? You go through all the training. They got... They got donuts in the conference room. and Oh, we're going to show you how to use your name badge, right? You don't normally leave a job and go to another one. For a worse job, you usually go for a better one. Then after about a year, you know what you find out? It's a job. It's got its warts and it's got its problems and everybody there doesn't walk on water. And you'll find the same thing in church, right? See, we we gotta we gotta look in the mirror. If we want God to have an opportunity to do something in our life, we gotta look in the mirror and, and figure out what our warts are. Right. And our warts are this. The believer, we, we come to that place where God can do something when when our power is gone. You say, what do you mean by that? Well, let, look at your life tonight. Don't raise your hand, but I want you to examine yourself. Men don't examine your wives. Wives, don't examine your husbands. Parents, don't examine your children. Children, don't examine your parents. You examine you. And here's what, here's what I want to ask you when the power is gone. That you have no resistance over sin. No resistance. Like I just, I can't help myself. You're being controlled by the flesh. You know what you're saying? 
that I, I have no power. I have none of God's power to help me. And I, I was listening to something today, and this guy said he was, he was gay, and he said, man, I, I prayed God would take it away from me. And he didn't, so I figured he must have just been all right with it. See, here's the problem. In your life, what we want is we want easy. We think that just because we pray, God's going to take stuff out of our life. Well, that doesn't happen that way. There's a, there's a battle. There's a fight, right? I mean, there. listen, we look at, and you've got all this sin out there. And here's what the devil does. See, he distorts the things that God gives us that are good, right? We go back to Adam and Eve. Remember this? God said, you can have everything in here except this one. And Satan said, that's the one you want. And she said, well, I've got to have that, right? The rest of it was good. The rest of it was great. And so there has to be a fight. There has to be a battle. There has to be some resistance. Resist the devil, right? Submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. And so when our power is gone, we have no resistance to sin. We have no victory in life. We have no power in prayer. Even our prayer is just going through the motions. Then that's when God has an opportunity to do something in our lives. It's when we think we've got it all figured out. I'd rather have a church full of people and I'd rather be a pastor that would be honest enough to say, man, I ain't got nothing figured out. And without the help of God, we'll get nothing accomplished. Why? Because then... God has the opportunity to do what we can't do. But when you and I think we've got it all figured out, there's no way. We, 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 we filled ourselves up to where there's no room for God. I find it interesting. I'll see young men been pastoring about 15 seconds. And they've got all the answers and they've post all this stuff on Facebook and on social media and everybody thinks they're the, the smartest guy in the room and they, they, they put all this stuff and in my mind I'm going brother you don't even know what you're, what you're, what you're getting ready hey go ahead keep bragging about it and you're going to see the devil knows exactly where to hit you at I've been doing this a minute and I figured out I don't know much it's like parenting. Yes, sir. When, it, when them babies are like that under the pews, you got it all figured out, man. Come on. Everybody's got teenagers. When your kids are babies, they don't know how to raise kids. Then your kids become teenagers. Then we're all looking going, come on, Mr. Know-it-all. Now tell us how it worked out, right? right. The fact is, if you and I, and here's the thing, you remember, you remember uh, uh, Samson? He didn't even know the power was gone. When, when the Philistines took him, the Bible said he went out like every other time. He wasn't even aware of the presence and power of God. How many of us, we go out just like every other time? We don't even know the power and presence of God is gone. See, the believer, we can get help from God. Because our power is gone, but then also, watch this, his purpose is gone. 
Now listen to what I'm saying to you. When you have no purpose, when you don't know why you're here, when you don't understand why God created you and put you on this earth, which is for His glory, then what happens is you aimlessly wander through life. And that's where a lot of folks are, Brother Jimmy. They call it the drift. They're just drifting. But then they're just drifting through life. No purpose, no aim, just, hey, get up in the morning, whatever, right? God created you to fellowship with Him and to serve Him and to glorify Him. He does not, this, this believer that does not have the vision or desire to live for God. Just don't want it. I just, I want what I want. When, when I serve God, it's what benefits me. He had no joy in the Lord or in, his, in God's will for your life. Just got no joy, Brother Tim. Just, I'm a Christian. I go to church, but man, I hate, I hate, I hate life. here's some good news this same guy his prospect is great why because it may be that God allowed this for you to come to an end of self that's what he was doing with the children of Israel he's saying look you, and even remember the New Testament when those, when those uh, Pharisees came to Jesus and they said listen we're Abraham's seed we don't need you we're Abraham's you, we're right down Father Abraham's our he's our granddaddy, right? We're in the right lineage. We're in the right line. We don't need you, Jesus. Well, do we not do the same thing today? Brother Eddie, we've got some holidays in our country. And let me say this. I don't want this to come out wrong. I think you know my heart. I I, I love this country. I don't, I don't. I don't like where we are. I don't like where we are. It's hard for me to get excited about the red, white, and blue of today. And I honor these men that have fought for our freedom. I love them and honor them. Man, it's hard to look at that flag right now. With, with, and I'm not talking about just Washington. I'm talking about this country and the way we've turned our back on God. But let, let me let me let me tell you this. Here's what bothers me. We can have a July 4th service and we'll say something about America and even God's people get all excited. Amen! Yes, America! They'll get excited about that flag but they won't get excited about that one. See, I'm just passing through here. That's, That's where I'm a citizen at. I'm a dual citizen here and there. I'm not going to be here forever. And I'm afraid what, what's happened, we've looked at everything else and not looked at ourselves. And it may be that God's allowing the end of this country because we put so much pride in being America. Instead of being humble before God. Maybe that God's letting the church go through this persecution and weeding out, if you want to call it that, because we have not honored Him. 
See, the prospect is great because God will once again appear and revive our deadness if we'll let him. And our life can be renewed. And then finally, the third area I want to look at tonight quickly is the sinner. Man, I'm glad. Listen, it's, it excites me that we've had people saved Amen. recently. Amen. See, God's still saving sinners. But they have to go through the same thing. They have to come to the realization that they're not good enough to go to heaven. They're not good enough without Jesus Christ. And so with that sinner, two things I'll share. First of all, what is gone, and that is it has to be that self-righteousness and that self-sufficiency and that pride, and this person is receptive to the Lord. You can't go to heaven with pride. You can't go to heaven with your self-righteousness. You can't go to heaven depending on your goodness or your religion or your rites and rituals. You have to come to the place, praise God, that all that is gone. And here's the great thing. God accepts us just that way. All dirty and nasty and marred up and scarred up. Hallelujah. But it wouldn't it be good if people understood that what, what is gone, what has to be gone, but then what, what they gain, what is gained, what they gain, the Lord. Amen. Do you know tonight as we sang about heaven, man, heaven's going to be sweet, Brother Bobby. Amen. But let me say this tonight. If there were no heaven, it would still be good to be saved. Salvation is not even about heaven, it's about Jesus. If heaven, if heaven was absent of Jesus, it wouldn't be heaven. Think about that for a minute. We're saying, well, one day when we get to heaven, it's all going to be better. Why can't it be better now? See, what happens when you get saved is you're supposed to gain the Lord. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. We gain eternal life. I mean, can you, you realize that tonight? That no matter what you go through in this life, you've got eternal life. And you gain peace in the storm. Sometimes we we miss it, don't we? He's walking across our storm, and we're not looking for him. See, tonight I'm glad that God has an opportunity if we'll give it to him. It doesn't matter how bad things look. Can I say this tonight? It doesn't matter how bad things look in your life. If you'll give God an opportunity, he can change it. doesn't matter how bad things look in this world. If God will give him the opportunity, if, if we'll see that song of Moses, he's exalting God. He reckon, he's recognizing how God's people turn from it. That, that verse said that God would judge his people. Well, here's what the Bible said, ready? That if we judge ourselves, we shall not be what? Judged. God's saying, look, you, you examine yourself. And you figure out what's wrong and repent. And if you'll confess your sins, I, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from us. So why, why are we not just going to him? I mean, isn't it amazing? Because how many remember this when you as a kid, your parents say, listen, you 
And tell me the truth, the punishment won't be as bad. You ever hear that? Well, it was. Maybe you only got five licks instead of ten. I don't know what it was, right? But you still. Maybe that was just me, right, Mom? I mean, I just, of course, I didn't. I wasn't honest most of the time. I thought I was smarter, and I'd just get out of it. But what I'm saying is, sometimes we'll tell people things and well intentioned, and we still we're still not. We don't have the capacity and the ability to be true to our word. I mean, sometimes. How many times you have, give me an example? You told somebody, "Listen, I'll do this for you," and uh, about six months later, say, "Hey, did you do?" Oh, I forgot. Right? I mean, in essence, what you did was lied. I just scapegoated. That's my way out, preacher. I forgot. That's the that's my favorite excuse. I've well, you told me you was going to do it, and you didn't do it. What would you call that? Right? I've done it. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not judgmental. I've done it. Right, Miss I'll tell you. I still got a light. I've been putting up for six years in the hallway. But it's just, we got to get honest. Said I'd do it. I hadn't done it. I lied. I wouldn't call it that. What would you call it? I would just call it, you know, an untruth. No, that, that's what the newscasters do when they talk about liars. They say, well, he just told untruth. No, he lied. So even in our best, we still might. Even trying to do the right thing, say the right thing, we might not tell the truth, right? But God's not like that. He is true. He cannot lie. So if he says he'll do it, he'll do it, right? So why are we so afraid of admitting to what he already knows and saying, you know what? I'm guilty. I'm guilty for my lack of faith. I'm guilty for my bitterness. I'm guilty for my end. Whatever it is, I don't know what your I don't know what your thing is, right? I'm not pointing. And you got to figure out what your thing is, what your little thing is, or big thing that you want. Just too much pride. But I'm here to tell you that God's saying, listen, if you'll just break it down to where you realize what you really are. You give him opportunity to fix the problem. Now, if you won't come to that realization, if you're here tonight, you say, well, I think I'm going to heaven because I'm a good person. Nope, you're missing it. If you say, I think I'm going to heaven because I got baptized, whatever it is, no. But here's the other thing. Let's be honest, Christians. We're as guilty. We're as guilty. We're as proud and so... God's opportunity is when you and I are at that place where we are just stripped away of all the things. And a lot of times he will allow trials and storms in our life to get us to the place where we can only depend on him. Let's stand together. Bow our heads tonight. The altar's open. The Lord spoke to your heart. You come. Maybe there's... God dealt with you. There's a sin, something, whatever it is. God dealt with you tonight. He's saying, this is it.
and you just be honest with him and say, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to get it right with God tonight. Maybe you're here tonight, you never trusted him as your Savior. Tonight would be a good night to get that settled. I'm glad God gives us opportunity. He's long-suffering, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He wants us. He wants us. Thank you for the cross of Calvary. Thank you for second chances and third chances and for forgiveness. Speak to every heart tonight. May we get our hearts right with you. We love you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.